Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 230 of How I Built It, the podcast that offers actionable tech tips for small business owners. Today's sponsors are Text Expander and Podcast Liftoff. You'll be hearing about them later in the show. Paul Lacey is as generous with his time as he is with his story. See, Paul has gone a long way in his travels as a web developer, from the pre.com bubble burst to crashing an agency and bouncing back. He's learned a ton along the way that he generously shares with us in today's episode. So I tried to just get out of the way and let him tell his story. I think you'll love it. And as an added bonus in Build Something More, there's a fantastic pre-show where we talk about the Panama Papers. I don't know if you remember that from a few years ago, a huge uh, privacy scandal that happened because of a WordPress plugin. And Paul has some relationship to that whole thing. So he tells us all about it in Build Something More. If you want to sign up for Build Something More and get that fantastic pre-show as well as ad-free extended episodes of every episode as well as quarterly members-only episodes as well as members-only podcasts as well as the live stream archive and lots of other great stuff, you can head over to buildsomething.club buildsomething.club it is five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year to get ad-free extended episodes of the podcast and lots of other great content there's a community with networking events and amas and lots of other great stuff so again that's buildsomething.club five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year that's two months for free sign up today for the build something club All right, so let's get into that episode. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that offers actionable tech tips to small business owners. My name is Joe Casabona. I'm your host. And today I am very excited to have a friend and fellow WordPresser, Paul Lacey, on the show. Paul is a designer and speaker at Paul Lacey Digital. And I'm really excited to talk to him because while many people want to move from solo freelancer to agency owner, Paul went in the other direction. And that's the direction that I'd pre- I, I prefer to be in. I want to stay small. Company of One by Paul Jarvis style. Uh, so, but before I start just talking, let's bring in Paul. Paul, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Joe. And thank you so much for inviting me on. Just really, my, really pleased. My absolute pleasure. Uh, Paul and I have um, now talked several times. He's he's an active member in the Build Something Club. And if you are a member of the Build Something Club, you will get at least 20 minutes of bonus content in an interesting pre-show uh, where Paul and I talk politics the Panama Papers and how WordPress was related to that. <laughs> Dominion, it's a good one. You can sign up over at buildsomething.club for $5 a month or $50 a year. Um, but Paul, I'm, I, I, the reason, oh, I, I mean, we've also talked on This Week in WordPress. I'll link a whole bunch of things in the show notes. Uh, but uh, the reason I want, to, that I want to have you on the show is, is for this very reason, right? You ran an agency until right around the pandemic. Yeah. Um, 
And then you you realize some things. And I think that that what we're going to talk about today are some important realizations. But before we get there, let's talk about how you got there uh, and, and tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Okay, I'll make it as brief as I can. Um, I was making websites from around 1998 at university. 1999 uh, was around the time of the dot-com boom, actually. And I did a work placement while I was at university in a agency, like a digital agency back then. But this digital agency had me on the work placement. And then while I was there, they launched this dot-com product or dot-com website. So by dot-com site, it's like a website back then that just has a random idea and then tries to sell that idea to venture capitalists mm-hmm. for tons and tons of money. <laughs> and so they were like, uh, do you want to work on our projects? Because we we need someone who will, you know, work on this. And um, we can pay you. I was like, oh, cool, okay. And the project, it was called Kids Online, which sounds quite dodgy. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. It was a, you know, a kids e-zine. So computer uh, games. Was it a Z? Use. Was it kids with a Z? Oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome because I would um, do things like make games in Flash. I would I would even do content. So I'd get to review computer games like for the Nintendo 64 or get sent to the cinema to press previews, which oh, wow. is really cool. Um, I watched one of my favorite films on a press preview, The Beach. I love the film, The Beach. That's a great film. Nice. And um, good times until obviously the money dried up. And then I moved from there to another .com called StudentNet, which was almost like a grown-up version of Kids Online. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as you graduate, you, you go you, to Yeah, StudentNet. you just grew with the, your audience, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I was at university at the time. So that was, um, so I was still working uh, and also at university. That was great. Again, we were doing like flash games, uh, just silly micro sites. It was kind of student rag paper sort of um, online website. It had its own uh, CMS that they built called Apotheca, which I realized today when I was like, I wonder what that actually means. It means repository. Nice. So that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And the, the the funny thing is as well, the kids online, the guy was it's the same guy who made the um, the CMS there as well, the same developer. Nice. And he called that one Embassy, which is a brand of cigarettes. So the kids website, kids online Solid. was... Um, powered by a CMS inspired by cigarettes. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, After that, that one obviously capitulated with the the dot-com bubble. Um, Good times though, lots of fun. Um, Work was fun. That was a thing. Work was fun. You learned a lot and you you had fun. Um, After that, I had a brief spell at Capital One Bank, um, being a HTML developer for a couple of weeks while the rest of their team were practicing their school, uh, their Christmas play. Wow. So who the, <laughs> yeah. So they paid me a fortune to cover for that. So that's where your money goes, guys, when you're, um, you know, wow. paying the money to the different banks. And it was really cool because they were like, at the end of this placement that I did for like four weeks, they're like, do you want to um, come and work with us uh, full time? You've done a good job. And I was like, I'd love to because I haven't got a job. And uh, that's great. And they were like, no worries. You have to do this thing because Capital One is an American company. Yeah. And, um, and it's not a, it's, it wasn't a very common thing back then that you would do um, aptitude tests or personality tests. That wasn't really a very British thing. It might be now. I don't know. I haven't had a job for 15 years, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> but um, so they were like, all you've got to do is just do this personality aptitude test. No one fails it. So, you know, just do that and we'll talk about the salary. So I did the test, failed. 
So one of the wow. first people to fail an aptitude test. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, but I would like what? to think it means that I was never meant for the nine to five anyway. So yeah. what kind of mm. questions did they ask? Do you, I mean, do you remember this yeah. was like 20 years ago? I, I remember one really clearly. Right. And one of them was like, so you cross the road and an mm. old lady falls over on the other side of the road you've just come from. Right. Do you leave her or call for someone else or go and help? And I was just like, well, I mean, I don't know, but I'm going to say go and help. And it was almost like all the questions were kind of moral dilemmas. Right. And I think that I probably came across as a liar because mm. I was just like, well, I'm not going to put that I'll leave the poor cat right. stuck in the drain and I'm not going to leave the old lady on the floor. It was very strange questions. Wow. And, um, so they yeah, thought maybe you were being disingenuous. That's not an aptitude test. Maybe. That's, <laughs> yeah. It's like a personality <laughs> test of some yeah. sort. Do they ask you like a, a, the trolley problem? Are you familiar with that I don't remember that, that. No, it was all life situations. It was that's very really strange. Interesting. But, well, but yeah, failed. Maybe, maybe failed. build something more, I'll, we'll talk about the trolley problem because that's an interesting philosophical okay. problem. Okay, okay. Um, well, yeah, from from yeah. there I went to uh, work for a dog magazine, which had an online magazine as well. And there we did. We also had an agency side. I think almost all these businesses had an agency side at that point. And I'm really kind of proud that like one of our clients back then, who I got to meet as well, was Tom Baker, the uh, Doctor Who. Oh yeah, fourth is that fourth Doctor? Uh, third or fourth? Yeah, I can't yeah. remember which one it the is scarf? because some people forget. Yeah, the scarf guy. Yeah, that was the yeah. fourth doctor. Yeah, yeah, who eats the jelly babies? Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's the one. Yeah, awesome. And honestly, we do you know how we got that job? Yeah. It was advertised in a shop window on a little piece of card paper. It's Get like, out! Yeah, it didn't say you know Doctor Who's website. It right. just said someone. Does anyone do websites? And um, my boss was lived in that village where this advert was. He was like. Yeah, I called him up. It's Tom Baker. <laughs> That's so wild. Yeah. Wow. Um, from there, I moved into the arts sector and worked in the kind of digital media team of an art sector for ages. That was great. Fun times again, you know. And uh, when that came to an end, sometime around 2004 or something like that, I can't exactly remember when it was, um, I left and joined an agency a digital agency, a proper digital agency. I worked there for um, three... Are you still there, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I worked there for only three months and I learned how to get stuff done there because they were hard workers, absolutely. But it was too far to drive and I decided... And the hours were like really crazy for like the normal hours. And I was like, this is too much. So I decided to leave. I didn't have another job to go to. And, um, but a friend of mine was like, well, we've got a little gig going at the um, university. Do you want to come and just do like a two week, sorry, two month contract uh, freelance? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then the idea was I'd go there and apply for some jobs. But while I was there, I met someone who um, had a, a new startup digital agency and they were looking for someone who could do web and they were two designers and um, they needed someone who could help them make the websites. And I was like, I could do that. The university offered me a job, but I turned it down and decided to partner up with this agency and also do work for other agencies and other freelance jobs. So I, I totally accidentally fell into the world of freelancing, as most people do, and, um, and did that for a while. And as that agency grew, I needed to scale up as well. 
And so for a while, what I did was I started outsourcing overseas because that's all we could afford. We didn't have much money to um, to spend. You know, there were a startup and we were trying to, and I had a friend who was doing this, you know, outsourcing to the Philippines. And he was like, you should, you, you could maybe try this. And basically we did this offshore model thing, right, where we were outsourcing, where, well, I was outsourcing to all sorts of different people around, all around the world, which was interesting because I got a feel of like how different cultures work really in terms as in how they work in in jobs and their approach to uh being entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and freelancers and stuff like that there was a, i found there's a lot of difference in different cultures it was amazing actually um yeah it eventually you know from there i uh it, it kind of fell apart um and when that did fall apart one of the people i was working with was a guy called peter who was from poland and we decided after all that that whole relationship fell apart to start our own little agency. And this was the first version of my agency, Dickie Birds. Um, quick version of this is that we did all right for a while. And then um, we actually scaled up because we started getting bigger clients. And we got one very big client. At least it was a very big one for us. And um, that was the downfall of Dick, the, the first version of Dickie Birds completely. Um, we, you know, we, we pitched for a job that should have been over a hundred K and we were kind of charging around the sort of 20, 30 K sort of thing. Oh, wow. And it ended up being a 50 K job in, in full, but we really got, um, battered around by the project and I was over the barrel a lot and we were, we were not getting paid for things. Uh, we were, the, this, the CEO of this particular company was, really trying to squeeze money out of mm-hmm. every he was firing some of his own team to make sure that his spreadsheet looked good for Jeez. the his massive bonus but anyway if anyone ever wants to hear that story in full um you can go to my website paulac.digital and lee jackson friend of ours um let me put the talk that i did about that at his event agency transformation live on my website as a video uh so there's a recording of that on on uh, on my website, you can check it out. It's called "How Giving Back Saved My Agency." Anyway, so we, um, me and Peter, you know, started this uh, new thing. It went wrong because of that, uh, and we went off in our different directions for a couple of years. I was really into WordPress. I'd really got into WordPress at that point. And after a couple of years of, I mean, sometimes these things take a few years to recover from. It was really bad, Joe. I'm telling you, mate. It, yeah. was, oh, wow. it was a bad experience. A bad experience. If you if you watch the talk at Lee's event, the majority of the room were crying at the end of it. Wow. Um, not, not for me. They right. just resonated with yeah, yeah. the situation. We've all been there kind of thing. Um. Anyway, so after a couple of years of just kind of recovering in the wilderness, I started messing around with uh, WordPress a lot more on my own because I needed to make some money and I was freelancing again. And I started, I I went to a WordPress meetup in Birmingham in the UK, met uh, Ronald from YIF there. He wasn't Ronald from YIF then, he was just Ronald from his own agency. We've been really good friends for a number of years. We shared office for a while. And um, and I think uh, we... I just personally just found a lot of um, resonance with the WordPress community. And um, one thing led to another. And uh, eventually, I ended up um, start rebranding as, as myself as something called Dopey Blueprint, which was, again, still I was still just a freelancer. And um, 
and myself and my old business partner ended up partnering on a job randomly. We didn't choose to. It was just the person who hired me hired him. it worked out. Wow. Yep. And uh, we enjoyed working on it and we were like, should we start an agency again? And at that point, my confidence was quite high because I just started doing things like podcasting in mm. um, in the WordPress space. Like I'd been invited on Nathan Wrigley's uh, Dopey Builds web show years ago. Um, Lee Jackson had me on his and uh, I'd been on a few a few different things and I was, I was starting to feel confident, you know. Let me uh let, let me stop you there. Your mm. your solo agency was called WP Blueprint. Yeah, WP Blueprint. I yeah. really thought you said Dopey Blueprint, and I was like, that <laughs> is a funny name. That would have been much better. <laughs> I'm rebranding Paul AC Digital now. Dopey to, uh, Blueprint. Dopey Blueprint. Yeah, perfect. It's probably it's more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, me and Peter decided randomly just over a beer hey should we just start an agency again i mean that's how ridiculous our business plan was it was like should we just start it again and the reason we were called dicky birds by the way was because my name's paul and his name is peter and there is a nursery rhyme that is um called two little dicky birds ah um, two nice. little dicky birds sitting on a wall one named peter one named paul i like that uh, so that's where I like that, that a lot from. yeah i was i was you know confident and um and I was really getting into all these different communities and I was seeing what everyone was doing. And I was thinking, do you know what? I think I can do it this time. I know what went wrong last time. I know where we went wrong. And I think I can correct, I think I can course correct and, and do it properly this time. But after about a year, I realized, you know, the industry had changed. Um, mm -hmm. The stresses uh, had changed. The expectations had changed. What people wanted had changed. So when I was in an agency before, a digital agency was very much the techies. And I think it changed more into a digital agencies have become much more um, business consultancy these mm -hmm. days. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, but one of the things that I struggled with as I was trying to do what I thought was right was that I was hanging around with a lot of people in WordPress and in the agency sort of scene. Um, the word going in different directions, talking about scaling their agencies, all that kind of thing. And I just was like, I need to do that too. And mm -hmm. then because I was like becoming like a trusted voice on things like podcasts, I was getting invited to come and talk about this because people saw we got this agency. We were really good designers, so we could brand really well. And so we looked a lot better than we probably were. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so I think people were thinking, hey, you know, Paul's really got it together. He really knows what he's doing. He's scaling his agency and stuff. And in the background, I was just thinking, I'm not sure I'm doing a great job of this, but I'm, you know, I'm trying. And I, and I think what, what happens, what can happen easily is you can, you can go along with the crowd, forget that the person who got you all of your success in the, up to that point was you. And you can keep listening to you if you want. You don't have to yeah. just say, oh, look, there's a new course and it tells you how to do this uh, for your agency. Um, you better buy it. It's on a last minute offer. and yep. uh, Last, last um, uh, day <laughs> until tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. There's the timer. So you can, you can kind of, and I think what happened is I, I really got caught up into it for about a year. And then... I really started mentally suffering from it. I think the the stress of it all, um, the stress of having to pay for, I mean, we're only a small team, we're only like five people, mm -hmm. but the the 
feeling of responsibility of yeah. needing to put food on five tables. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Liftoff. This is my own course and offering. And if you are thinking, hey, I want to start a podcast or hey, how does Joe make podcasting mostly his full-time gig? Well, it's because I have found the formula to making money podcasting. And I teach you that in my podcast liftoff course. So if you head over to podcastliftoff.com, you can enroll in podcast liftoff, learn all the ins and outs of launching a podcast if you haven't done that yet, or if you want to cut to the quick, you can take what I think are the two most valuable sections there, which are creating consistent content and monetizing your podcast through sponsorship or otherwise. It's big value. I have made over $200,000 podcasting. It is a large portion of my income and I am self-employed full-time and I have monetized my podcast in multiple ways, not just through the sponsorships that you hear on this show. So if you are interested, head over to podcastliftoff.com, check it out, enroll in the course, start making money with your podcast. Podcasts are fun, but they cost money and they can make you money. Again, podcastliftoff.com, use the code BUILT, B-U-I-L-T, at checkout for a cool 20% off. We've got a good look at your your background and kind of how you got to the agency the agency life, we'll say, right? Yeah. So I guess around what time are we now? Are we like at pandemic? Are we at the pandemic We're around, time? Uh, mid twenty eighteen. Okay, mid twenty eighteen. You've you've hired people. You've you've kind of grown your um your uh, authority in the WordPress space, right? People. Yeah, you've, accidentally. You've, I didn't yeah. really mean to, but I think right. you you become reliable right. in the space, and people people will invite you to things. Yeah. So. So, so you were kind of starting to feel the, the pressure of an agency because I think a lot of people feel this, right? This is certainly why I don't want to bring on a full-time hire. And up until this point, I've only hired contractors. Um, yeah. You were kind of starting to feel the pressure of, it's not just you and maybe your family, right? Because you have, like you, you have a family. Um, exactly. It's, yeah. it's other people and other people's families, right? Yep. Yeah, I think um, it's that classic thing where a lot of us in um, tech or design, generally creative people, we thrive in that kind of thing. And then when you move from a creative role as a freelancer into basically what you can call a CEO, mm-hmm. it's a different job altogether. Yeah. And I think there is a big difference. And Paul Jarvis does talk about this in um, a lot in his book, Company of One. Um, the difference between something like a freelancer where you can you can have all the creativity that you want and you're very hands-on to running an agency which these days is a is really more of a business consultancy where the CEO or someone is building in systems to make this a well-oiled machine and to yeah. bring things in things get done it goes out the door and it becomes a very the sure there's some agencies that are still enjoying the 
the fun of that. And maybe, you know, the right people are finding joy in that they are pushing these solutions out. But if you are a person who enjoys getting your hands really dirty and all the work, the CEO role, the shine goes off it quite quickly and the stress Mm -hmm. comes in. And then you start looking at the numbers. And as a freelancer, you're kind of used to kind of thinking, okay, that's how much money I need. But when you're, you know, employing four other people as well as yourself, you need to earn five times the amount of money. And the pressure for that is quite intense if you're not the right person for it. So I started to really suffer. I ended up on, um, I was, you know, having a lot of arguments at home, that kind of thing. Wasn't a particularly good dad at the time. Mm -hmm. And I ended up probably, I think for the second time, I'd already been through this previously when my, when it had kind of failed the previous time to that, ended up on, uh, med, you know, medication to help with that because that was, I, I was kind of a kind of desperate point where I needed uh, a quick intervention. I know there's other ways people can get help, talk to people, therapy, but I think I'd gone, I'd gone too negative. I'd gone too far on it. Gotcha. So I was kind of suffering a lot. And actually that really helped me. Uh, it gave me a bit of a boost for a while and it gave me a lot of clarity and what happened was um, Lee Jackson, who we mentioned earlier, decided to create this event called Agency Transformation Live. And he created this event and invited me as a speaker. And I was just like, that's awesome. But like, this is the ultimate imposter situation now. Like I yeah. now, um, it's there's one thing doing a podcast interview about agency life. And there's another going on a stage in front of a bunch of agency owners thinking, you all probably know, <laughs> you all probably know a lot better than I do. So... I had a good four or five months to prepare for this. And all along, I was like, what am I going to talk about? You know, scaling this, scaling that. I don't know. Sales, tactic, funnels. I don't really know. In the end, I, through the clarity I was getting through, you know, having some ease off the stress, I decided to uh, just do a focused talk on giving back and how, and how that had helped me and my agency survive. And I talked about this story from years back where everything went really badly wrong with this terrible client and everything and just reminded everyone who was at this talk while on stage to talk through this story and reminded everyone that no matter how hard things get there will be some really good things that you've done that made a difference to a business or made a difference to a person or made a difference to someone's family and no one can ever take that away from you and so when times get hard, don't forget the good things that you've done and they get you through. And it would it was a really well-received talk. Um, it was humbling. There was a standing ovation. People were crying. It was because they were, I guess, relating their own things that they'd done good in mm-hmm. bad times. And Lee immediately asked me to come back the following year. I was just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm such a, fr- you know, this is great that everyone really enjoyed the talk, but... I need to come up with someone else now. I had a full year to think about it this time. And during this year, I was really starting to doubt the direction I was taking things, but feeling immensely trapped, probably in my own head, really. It's not that you're really trapped, but you feel responsible for people. You don't really want them to lose their jobs if you decide to shut things down. Anyway, I read Paul Jarvis's book, Company of One, during that year. His his book was a big influence on the following talk that I did, which is also on my website as well. You can listen to that. And it was called Scale, but with a question mark. Mm-hmm. So I did an, a kind of anti-scale talk. Yeah. And I think if you if you kind of, with the benefit of hindsight, I think the writing was on the wall 
the fact that that was my talk at that point because it was really a, you don't need to be bigger, you just need to aim to be better. It doesn't matter how, you know, it doesn't matter about the scale of your agency or how many people you're employing or how many VAs you've got and how many sales you've got. It does to some people, but I, I know that this resonates with so many people who are running agencies that they're struggling, they're following a blueprint that isn't their own, right? and they don't know what to do, and they're stuck. And what they do is micro-pivots. They do micro-pivots. And that's where basically they're doing something, it's not really working out, and someone goes, hey, you should be doing funnels. And they go, right, I'm, re I'm reformatting my business. I'm rebooting it, and it's going to be a funnel agency. And they tried out for a while. It's a tactic. It's not, it's not a strategy. It's just a tactic to try different things. And they tried out for a while. It doesn't work out. And then they try something else. It's a micro pivot. They're not dealing with the core problem. Right. That maybe it's not for them. And that's what I realized. And what the awesome thing is, Joe, is that the only way that I realized this was that because I got involved in things like podcasting and being guests on podcasts and doing public speaking and stuff like that, which was for me, like the adult version of skateboarding. I used to be a skateboarder nice. and I, I, I like the, the excitement that I'm throwing myself down of a, a metaphorical set of steps yeah. on a skateboard by going up on stage in front of people and potentially flopping basically. <laughs> um, but that's, that's skateboarding for you. You fail more times than you succeed with skateboarding. Yeah. But, um, the, the fact that I ended up doing that was what gave me self-realization because I had to write a talk that made sense to me to deliver to other people. And I did. And I was like, the person who needs to hear this talk the most is me. <laughs> and um, so I think then the, the pandemic hit basically then because that particular event was in the pandemic and it was going to be an on-stage event, but it ended up being an online digital event. It was one of the ones that was like, should it go ahead? Should it not? And it, it didn't go ahead. And, um, and I think, uh, what really happened was I had a long time to think about it throughout that pandemic year, but business got even harder during that mm -hmm. year. And by the end, I just, I'd realized that number one, business was so difficult that I couldn't really make it work anymore. And number two, I needed to fix uh, what I'd done to, you know, my life and my family and my friends and that kind of thing by being just so obsessed with doing other people's plans. And so I made the call that this business was no longer viable anymore and we had to put it into bankruptcy, basically, because it wasn't, it wasn't going to work. The pandemic destroyed all of our um, strategic engagement and our kind of business development. And I'm glad it did because as a result of that, I was able to gain some strength to know that it was the end and then have the strength to get through the process of telling my business partner what I think we should do, uh, having lots of difficult conversations with the team. And mostly um, everyone backed me and agreed that it was the end of the game. But the cool thing is, is when something ends, that's what it is these days, Joe. It's not, these days we don't have a business for life. We don't have a career for life. We, we have um, stepping stones and everybody does a thing. You take the good things out of it and you move to the next thing and you grow and try and have a glass half full 
approach to life. And yeah, it was a rough couple of years, but I was really surprised how quickly mentally I could recover from that. And I think I'd learned so much over the years that I was able to quickly put it behind me. Wasn't medicating anymore, had a lot of clarity, gained a lot of strength by facing difficult decisions, difficult conversations, facing up to things like business bankruptcy was not fun. Um, But it helps you to make hard decisions that you will take forward in the future. And you'll be like, okay, whenever something like this happens again, I know that you just have to get the decisions, make them and move forward. Easy. Uh, So yeah, so my plan was to um, go back freelance for a year, take it easy and, um, and build a personal brand again and just really engage in the WordPress community a lot more. And uh, because that's where I'd found, you know, the fun that I talked about earlier in the career. Yeah. The, the whole period of the day, the day I left that arts organization, joined an, a digital, a proper digital agency, and then formed my own, was the most boring, stressful time of my career. And um, I don't regret it, but you can work and have fun and grow and enjoy it. And that's what I decided to do. I was just like, right. The risk now is to take the take the risk that's more fun or take the risk to stay the same and grow old and bitter. And I went with the fun one and it's working out quite well at the moment. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly and errors in messaging often have significant consequences. With Text Expander, you can save time by converting any text you type into a keyboard shortcut called a snippet. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling, and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Text Expander lets you make new approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring your team remains consistent, current, and accurate. Text Expander can also be used in any platform, any app, and anywhere you type. So take back your time and increase your productivity. But that's not all it does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. I can type out full instructions for my podcast editor, hi Joel, in just a few keystrokes. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is PPT. This will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it into plain text. No more fighting formatting if I'm copying from Word or anyplace else. Last month, I saved over two hours in typing alone. That doesn't even take into the account the time I saved by not having to search for the right link, text, address, or number. You have no idea how many times I want to type out a link to a blog post or an affiliate link and I can't remember it and then I have to go searching for it. That generally takes minutes, but since I have a text expander snippet, it takes seconds. Text Expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. I've been using it a lot more on my iPhone lately because I've been working from my iPhone more uh, because there are days when I'm just not in front of my computer right now. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simple automation in general, now's the time. Listeners can get 20% off their first year. 
Just visit textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. Thanks so much to Text Expander for sponsoring the show. And now let's get back to it. So as we kind of uh, wrap up here, there are just a couple of, maybe we can do like a lightning round of, of questions here. Um, and the first is uh, surrounding the team, right? So I was going to ask, how did you wind mm-hmm. down the agency? But you kind of answered that uh, in in filing for, for bankruptcy. Um, I'm not I'm not fully familiar with that process here in the United States, so I'm not fully familiar with it, of course, in, in yeah. the UK either. Um, but what it, what did that mean for? Uh, did you have any current clients, for example? Yeah, we did. Um, and so me, me and my business partner, when we, you know, after a couple of weeks of talking through different options, should we try this? Should we try that? Um, what we came to the realization was that the most responsible thing to do now was to end it. And the reason we had to file for what we call in the UK liquidation, which mm-hmm. is uh, in the UK bankruptcy is a personal thing. Liquidation is a company thing. But gotcha. It's just the word is kind of the same. Yeah. Was because during the um, during the year we'd taken a one of these kind of COVID loans that I know you have in the states as well, mm-hmm. and we'd we'd taken one of those and we'd used it to employ someone, uh, someone from the community who you might know, um, who is really really skilled, really strategic, and uh, and he helped us during uh, the final year actually to figure out a plan of what would work. And that was one of the realizations when I was like, yeah, an agency really is just a kind of meat factory kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like something comes in, gets yep. chopped up, goes Grinded out the up. other end. And I was just like, that is yeah. really not an exciting thing for me. But um, yeah, sorry, I forgot what the question was now. <laughs> uh, what happened to your clients? Oh, my clients. Okay, yeah. yeah. So me and Peter decided the the things that that we would... Um, maintain that each of us would own were our relationships that we'd made. Okay. So that made sense because he'd got a really good relationship with a major car uh, manufacturer who he was doing lots of UX work with through our company. And we were like, you should go and talk to them and see if they'll give you a job because you love that work and you're doing an amazing job with them. And he did. He went and did that. Almost all the other relationships were my relationships. And a lot of those, I helped offboard those clients to other people. So I just, one of, my, my job in a way, my final job as a CEO was to make everyone as good as they could be, you know, be responsible. And that was just kind of built into me. So make sure the team is okay. Make sure my business partner is okay. Make sure the clients are okay. So the majority of clients I offboarded that they over just went onto their own things because they might have been semi-dormant clients or something like that. Or if they're agencies, I'd put them in touch with other people who could white label and that kind of thing. And um, But the one, the clients that I was able to maintain a relationship were a lot of the um, maintenance plan clients. So if anyone out there is doing, you know, working in freelance or WordPress agency, and I can just say that if you've got maintenance plans with people, it's a lifesaver at times. And so those relationships, I was able to say to those those companies, hey, Dickie Birds is closing. You can go and find another, you know, people to look after you. 
I will look after you if you want to. Um, this is what's happening, just full transparency. And most of them decided they would want the individual known as Paul Lacey to look after their websites. And I was like, okay, great, I'll do that. So I was able to trans... So Peter went and got a job. And I think that was the right thing for him at his point in his career. He was doing really well in this, in this, uh, with, with that particular client. And for me, I was like, I think I want some flexibility and I want to try some cool things. Maybe I want to start, start a podcast or something. I don't know. I want to do some fun things. And um, so that, that income was, you know, relatively significant that I was able to move into, a, you know, a, into my own freelance world and get me started. And then around that same time, other opportunities started popping up because I did a talk at WordFest last year um, where I spoke about closing down my company. It was, it was extremely raw at that moment. It just happened. And I only did the talk because someone else dropped out and they were like, Paul, will you really come wow. and do a random talk? And I was like, okay, I can talk about this, but it, it might not go down very well. And so I was the only live talk at WordFest. It was a live interview. Um, but um, I did that and a few people heard and then reached out to me, and a few people in the industry offered me jobs, actually. Um, wow. Some big companies in WordPress offered me jobs. and um, But one of the companies that I'd already been working with for a while was Beaver Builder. And um, we'd been talking for a while, and and uh, I'd done some work for them before, and we decided that we'd start working together again. So really quickly, I'd got um, a, a really nice gig with Beaver Builder. I'd got my maintenance plans, and I was doing one or two bits of design work, but it gave tons of freedom. And then I could focus more on the podcasting side of things and the more interesting things that I wanted to do. And then opportunities started popping up in that area. I think people realize sometimes, oh, you're in limbo. Maybe we should collaborate. And people got in touch. And the the year I've got ahead now is some maintenance plans, working with Beaver Builder, a bit of consultancy and design, and a monetized podcast, in addition to the one that I do with um, Nathan at um, This Week in WordPress, which is a is not a monetized podcast, at least for me. It's a it's a passion thing. So yeah, a new opportunity came up, launching a new podcast and live stream show, and that's going to be a significant part of my income because we've secured a good sponsor for that. So, wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, gosh, we'll have to follow up after that launches. Maybe do like a live stream about it. Um, but uh, this is so. This has been such a great conversation. I want to put a bow on it here. Uh, we've been recording for over an hour. Um, but I mean, you dropped so many good nuggets of information. Um, right? Uh, you don't need to be bigger. You just need to be better. People are following a blueprint that isn't theirs when they when they don't know. Uh, what to do. So they do these micro pivots. I love that. I was doing that for a while too. Maybe I'll offer this service. Maybe I'll offer this service. And I thought maybe I should actually focus on what I'm good at and what I'm known for and give it more than a couple of weeks to yeah. see if it's actually going to make money. <laughs> and now I've secured a pretty big client for a custom course I'm making for them. Uh, I have secured a couple of podcast uh, done for you podcasting clients. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think, I think what you said, figure out your, figure out how you can be better and create your own blueprint from that. 
Um, yeah, it's well said. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, and and how you get to that point is different for everyone. For me, yeah. it took a lot of pain and getting to the right. The, the the risk one way or the other is equal now. Mm-hmm. Like take the exciting risk, which previously was too risky, yeah. or take the risk to carry on, and probably almost definitely crash and burn. Yeah, it was like I, I was almost forced into the the fun route, and that's the route that I've gone. I didn't think that the opportunities would would happen quite quickly, but I think the moment you give yourself some headspace and you start to think about what you know what you want to do. I'm not necessarily a big believer in this kind of thing, but there is the thing people talk about, the uh, the secret, that when you start manifesting the ideas in your mind and you're positive about them and you start making positive steps, even if that's just a quick DM to someone, hey, I see you're doing this. Do you, do you want to have a chat about that? And that's what people did to me. People started chatting to me and I was chatting back to them. Conversations manifested, ideas started, and real things happened. And I think if you're stuck in a, if you're stuck in something that's eating all your time, you've got no headspace for that. So yeah. you've got to, you've got to at some point, if things are not going very well, create that headspace for yourself and give your own ideas a chance to, to work rather than someone else's. Yeah, and you know this really, this really echoes what I've been reading lately, which is about the Stoics, right? The philosophy yeah. of Stoicism. I just finished reading The Obstacle Is the Way. Um, and now I'm reading Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which I feel is probably I should have read already because I'm Italian. I feel like, you know, great Italian works I should have followed. My grandfather would be very disappointed in me, you know. Um, but uh, and these are the kind of things that they talk about, right? Uh, things happen around you. What happens to you is totally up to you. So yep. you can look at a situation and be like, you know, oh, well, my, I failed again at an agency. I guess I'll just get a job somewhere else. Or you were like, you know what? I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to speak at these events. I'm going to be honest and open about what's happening. And you created actual opportunities for yourself. And in this case, the obstacle for you um, became the way, right? Uh, to uh, yeah. Don't sue me, Ryan Holiday, for that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, you 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 kept going and you found a way around um you found a way around the thing that was causing you pain and trouble and and you're you came out the other side better because of it and i think there was some luck involved in that but there was also a lot of self-realization and help as well i mean you can see anyone who's watching if this ever is a video you can see in the background i've got a sign up on my wall and if you can read it, it says never give up and I think that's got to be your mantra sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. this, uh, when when times are tough, just just keep pushing through. And like I said about that talk about how giving back saved my agency, um, you've done some good things. No matter how much of a failure you might feel in the moment, you'll have done some freaking awesome things at some point that you can take with you. And uh, so take that stuff with you and um, and move forward. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, I I want to leave it there, but I still need to ask you, uh, do you have any trade secrets for us? Uh, what kind of trade secrets? Any Anything really that... Um, the bell is a new thing I'm trying. Uh, okay, yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
any any piece of advice, maybe some underutilized. I mean, you've given us so much already, right? But maybe some kind uh, yeah, of yeah, underutilized I thing. I do actually, yeah. and and it is uh, honesty, right? Um, and 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 first and foremost, it's honesty with yourself, right? So, uh, I've I've done a lot of talks like this, and I've told a lot of my stories now because it's therapeutic for me and I've found that it's therapeutic for other people. I get messages, you know, Hey Paul, thank you for being so brutally honest about what you said there. That was, you know, you really kind of, um, you know, held yourself up to be vulnerable there. And I'm like, you don't know how good it is to do it. And, and, um, and what I found, it's almost like a thing that I practice now. Right. So you get, you get some things where I might be able to reflect on something from 10 years ago and admit the things I did wrong. And and it's easy because it was 10 years ago. But talking about something from last month or last week the, where you're literally facing the, the feeling of failure in, in, in your mind right there is a lot more difficult to be public about. But what I've found is... The confidence you get from having full, brutal honesty with yourself is pretty amazing. Um, I'm a very confident person these days. I never used to be because I was hiding from myself so much uh, stuff that I didn't really want to admit to other people. I don't talk to people in the, you know, my friends about this sort of thing. But what I find is talking with with your community or um, your audience as such them knowing exactly who you are and is, is what creates um, good connections with, with an audience. And it's also what has people sending you DMs with opportunities because they trust you. They're like, I've just watched this talk. I want to give you a job. And you're like, well, why? Because well, I think we need someone like you. And I'm like, you don't even know what I do. Um, that, that's probably the secret the secret source. The second one is uh, relationships. Um, I know there's a book, I think it's called Return on Relationships or something. People talk about ROI, return on investment and Mm. other ones. Uh, But I think uh, ROR is is one of the best uh, weapons that I've had in my arsenal for almost forever. The ability to create good relationships with people and find common ground with people and understand what they need and reciprocate. Yeah. Um, so honesty and relationships is, in a world where we've got the big, big companies and big government controlling the majority of everything, the independent business person these days doesn't have the same prospects they had before in the traditional sense. So to me, Solopreneur success is all about honesty and return on relationships. I, I absolutely love that. And I mean, you're going to have better relationships if you're honest, right? If someone feels like you're disingenuous, uh, you're not going to have a good relationship there. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I mean, I don't know if the Brits are known for their for their blunt honesty, definitely for your self-deprecation. You're, you're very well known, right? But yeah. uh I'm a New York Italian. You know how we're feeling. <laughs> Even if we don't tell you, you like there's you know how you I feel when walls. you look at me. 
So, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and, and you got to lean into that. I, I, well, you said it, you said it well, so I, I won't step on that. I think you, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> from time to time. Yeah. From time to time. Um, say something smart. Well, Paul, I got to say, you're a great storyteller. I just kind of sat here and I got out of the way and I let you, uh, you like weaved your story with little nuggets of information. I didn't even really need to be here. Uh, and I'm sure that was, uh, I'm sure the listeners appreciate that hearing my voice uh, in and out each week. So uh, Paul, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, WP underscore Paul Lacey. So please uh, connect with me there. Um, as for my website right now, paullacey.digital. Um, go there. I'm going to launch a a kind of blog soon there. It won't be much of a blog, but it will be a an online um, record of the different things that I've done. Right now, there's just a few examples on there. There's the two talks that I did at Agency Transformation Live, and I think there's a podcast episode from YouGurus and uh, one of uh, This Week in WordPress um, episodes is there as well. So go and check there and uh, keep in touch on Twitter. That would be fantastic. Fantastic. I will link to that and everything in the show notes, which you can find over at howibuilt.it slash 230. Howibuilt.it slash 230. And once again, if you want to catch that lengthy conversation that Paul and I had in the beginning about a whole bunch of life stuff, uh, you can join the Build Something Club over at buildsomething.club. It's five bucks a month or $50 a year. I'll be there in the community. Uh, and Paul is also there, an active member of the community. So come and say hi there. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Joe. Anytime. And thank you to everybody listening. Until next time, get out there and build something. <laughs>